Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 576, and this week, we're going to be taking a look back at what we looked at last week. Yes. Yay! But this time, we're going to try to make it go. We're going to try to make it work. Remember, we wanted to get Ubuntu Linux running on Microsoft Windows, but they kind of failed. Yeah. They didn't quite get it to work out of the box. Well, tonight, I'm going to show you what happened and how to fix it if it happens to you. And... You have a new way to connect with us. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local show times, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I guess you've already, they've probably already realized that, eh? Probably. Yes. Probably said it a few times by now. How you been? I'm I'm okay. You all right? Yeah. You're hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. He's here. Yeah. Yeah. Allergies knocked me out. Allergies? It was allergies. No. For whatever reason. Are you allergic to life? uh, At this point, I believe so. You're like a delicate flower. I am a delicate flower. No, but allergies have been crazy bad the last couple of weeks, and it would not go away, and it actually led to a sinus infection, which is why I wasn't here last week. I'm sorry, a sinus infection? (laughs) A sinus infection. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I've been hopped up on uh, antibiotics and everything. It's all good. Allergies are not contagious. No. So, so we didn't need to pull out the green screen tonight and put Jeff in another studio. <laughs> That's just print me like the Dalek. Yeah, there you go. Just a stand. <laughs> this is Jeff. <laughs> it's he great because much. I can actually punch the stand. <laughs> Get away with it. That's, That's brutalism. Right. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking back at um, that Ubuntu distro that mm-hmm. we installed on Microsoft Windows. Now, you were away last week. I was. Our viewers were here. But what we did is we installed Ubuntu Linux on Microsoft Windows using okay. Hyper-V. So tonight right. we're going to be looking at that because it was an absolute failure. Right. Excellent. Yeah. So you're here Remember? for the good part. I love yeah. it when Windows so is a failure. Tonight, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tonight we're going to show you how to get past the point of the, we're going to call it the Hyper-V blue screen of death. Yes. That's that's one of the things we're going to learn tonight, yeah. Yeah. Um, Quick note, Category 5 is now on Discord. If you want to join our server, just head on over to our website. There is an invite there. If you go to Category5.tv, click on Interact. And you'll see the uh, invite for the Discord server right there. I was so excited when you announced that. Were you? Yes. Oh, I've been waiting for that for... I I actually think I mentioned it to you last year. And for those who are like, what is Discord? Jeff, what is Discord? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're a My Little Pony fan, Discord is a character... No, I'm just... (laughs) My daughter watches My Little Pony. Discord's a character. Oh, okay. Okay, (laughs) all right. No, Discord is a chat program uh, that is quite... um, interactive and diverse and a lot of the gaming community happens to use it um mm-hmm. it's it's a i don't even ha- it takes social media and mass communication to the next level because you can have connect all your different uh interest groups and all that kind of stuff in, in one platform uh and it's it, it's just wonderful i have a uh, question for you yes can i use this to complete my transition off of facebook because right mm-hmm. now i've kept What's keeping Mess- you on Facebook? That's the question. Messenger. Messenger. Private so, messaging, private chat mes- rooms, so things like that. That's the only hair of Messenger I have left. I don't have or have uh, Facebook. I have left. I oh, don't yes. have anything if, else. If all of your friends have Discord as well, then yes, you could. Um, but it's but not- Jeff. How much does Discord cost? Zero dollars. Ooh. Ooh. It's okay. free. So it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've been using Discord now for about a year and a half. I think. And I love it. It's it's my favorite chat program. It's the easiest way for me to connect with people. And it's, you know, it's got multimedia content. So you can share v- videos, pictures, cool. stuff like that. Yeah, like things nice like compared. before the show, I posted a video of me setting up our new wireless microphone. Right, yeah. For example. So with things like IRC chat, you can't do that. You'd have to so upload it to YouTube that's and then right. give a link to it and all that yeah, kind of so stuff. Yeah, so Discord takes it right. to the next level. And sure. it's, it's great. 
Speaking of IRC, so what is IRC? That's internet, internet relay chat. That's what we've been using all these years. So when we talk about our chat room, IRC is where you go. So category5.tv slash chat. Well, right. does this replace it? No. That's the beautiful thing, Jeff. It supplements it. Yes. So all those great features that you're mentioning about Discord, that is now a part of our community. Right. But if you prefer IRC, and mm -hmm. a lot of people do, because IRC is just, as you say, it doesn't have all that multimedia stuff, which some would say is, I, I don't want that, I just want plain text, I just want, you know, I just want to be able to read the chat and interact with the chat room. Right. Um, so if that's you, you can, mm -hmm. in, you can get involved in IRC. If you want to use Discord, you can do that. What's up? Is there an app on Linux for Discord? You don't need to use an app. So but yes, there is. But just go to discordapp.com. Okay. Um, and you can just load it in your browser. That's right. Um, it's like a web 2.0 kind of thing. But looking at the IRC versus Discord, if you will. Okay. okay. We're not about that. I'm not. I don't want to replace the IRC. No. I love it. Yes. I don't want to... So, okay, I set out this week to bring about Discord in the Category 5 community and create a bridge between the IRC server and the Discord. So you'll notice if you're on Discord, some of the folks like BP9 tonight, it says bot. Well, that's because BP9 is actually on our IRC server. Oh, that's perfect. So we're actually... Really? Yes. So if you're on IRC, you can chat with all the people on IRC and on Discord. If you're on Discord, you can chat with all the people on Discord no and way. IRC. So they're completely interconnected. And in fact, if you use the same nickname on both Freenode and Discord, or at least if you rename yourself that in our chat... Yeah. It will, it will show your avatar and it will, ah. it will look proper on Discord. So it's really, really cool. Um, huh. So do check that out. I think it's a great way to interact with us. I think it's going to increase mm -hmm. our communication uh, between the on-air crew and, uh, and you folks at home as well and, uh, and throughout the week. Right, because yeah. this will just stay running? Is it that runs 24-7, yeah. yeah. So you just hop on there. Other nice thing that I do like about Discord, Sasha, yes. IRC, if you've ever joined it through the week, you have no idea what's going on when you arrive. That's right, because right, right? you can't see the past thing. That's yes. right. On Discord, however, when you join, you can see all the messages that have gone on. So even if BP9 has signed off of IRC, I can respond to BP9's questions. And if they do happen to come onto Discord, they'll be able to see the response. Yes. Oh. And you can have that interaction even when people are offline. And with this Discord, you could also have multiple rooms. So if we decided to have, you know, um, you know a, a Raspberry Pi room within. mega room yeah then mm -hmm. people could talk raspberry pi if sure. we, you know if we right. wanted an odroid people could talk yep. about it. if we wanted a soldering projects we can you know we could create our own little rooms within it's there which cool is kind of nice yeah. Um, right now, we've just got the main general chat, and sure. we've got one called Off Topic. So if you want to talk about things that are completely irrelevant to the show, you can go in there, and it won't show up on the screen kind of Is thing. there really life outside the show? No. Okay. No. So yeah, you were that? like, are all your friends on Discord? I'm like, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> they are now. Uh, I mentioned there um, during our discussion that we are on wireless microphones tonight. That is thanks to Music Pro. Thank here you. Here in and if you ever, so Music Pro in Barrie. So musicprobarrie.com. Check them out. They're an amazing store. It's they like are. a music shop and electronics for, for audio. Like they do sound systems and things like that, PA yeah. systems, projectors, and all that kind of stuff. Check them out. Folks, um, they, have, they are so great to us. Oh, yeah. They, I don't know if they love us, but we love them. <laughs> we absolutely do. So we're on a rental agreement with these cordless microphones for zero dollars. That's and a steep price. It's an amazing price. Wow. <laughs> that we can do. Basically, um, the folks there said, well, we'd love you to give it a try and see how it works. So this is our opportunity and your opportunity to let us know, hey, how do the microphones work? And tonight during our show, we're pretty much on this set. But in the future, when I need to move over to do an unboxing or if I need to move to another set, I can just skip over right. here and I don't have to do any kind of crazy unwiring or right. dragging cables around the studio. If we have a guest on the show, there is a fourth microphone as well. Beautiful. And they're completely wireless. So this, let us know what you think. This is awesome. And big thanks to musicproberry.com. 
Uh, also, big thanks to our patrons because, hey, if we love this thing, we do have to pay for it. <laughs> so it's your support and those who use our partner links through our website that are able to um, allow us to do these kinds of upgrades. Now, I mentioned it to our patrons, but Season 12 is about to begin. Can you believe oh that? Oh my gosh. Season we seriously 12 there? of Category 5 TV, and I wow. want it to be the best season of Category 5 TV ever. Right. That means I've been on now for three years. Three years? Has it been that long, eh? Yeah. Wow. That's astonishing, I remember man. your first day. I know. Oh, it was the beginning of episode lad. nine. Or season nine. Wow. But shortly yes. after that, we covered uh, back... five. I started season End of season five. five. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You had a bit of a... You are old. You had a bit of a yeah. break, and then you came back to us. Because oh. we moved, remember? We moved it from Tuesdays to Wednesdays so, so that you I could, could be come here. back. That's yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I here for- we are. Yeah. So now we it feels broadcast like- live on Wednesdays now. I feel like Wednesdays is our day. Tuesdays, like, doesn't come to me automatically. It just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right. just doesn't feel right. It wow. does kind of split up the week really nicely for mm-hmm. us, doesn't it? Um, okay, moving along with all the talk of fan creations over the past few weeks. Jeff, again, you've been away, um, but you were here when we were talking about... Uh, were you here when we talked about Star Trek? No, he wasn't. No. Stage, no. stage 9, you know the virtual reality Enterprise yeah. D? Yeah, you guys they were going to tour. Desist. What? They got a cease and desist from CBS. No. That's my reaction, too. That's the whole world's com- reaction right now. Um, so the, Wha- uh, Why? Ta- I, yeah, that, exactly, right? Why? I know. So look at the episode uh, 575 if you want to know my thoughts on the whole situation. Um, so, the, you know, that's a community project, a fan yeah. project that was created and then shut down. Is and, that not the second one that's... Been given a cease and desist. I feel well, like there a couple. Been, like, uh, well, there, the, uh, there have been some sh- um, some fan made films and things like that. Well, that the, the, the guy who played Tuvok, didn't he go to start one oh, a couple right. years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, uh, Star Trek Renegades. Yes, that looks so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, and that got shut down too. So those are fan productions that got shut down. So, yeah. um, and there are many that keep getting shut down, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this accidental theme of fan-created content, and Solbu actually reached out to us to remind us about one that came out 15 years ago. Really? And is still in existence. What? And it's exciting because they've actually broken some records, and they're in fact the longest-running torrent file in the entire world. No. You guys remember this? It's called um, the what was it? The something matrix. Fan, the fan, fan matrix. Fanny matrix. Fan matrix. Fan matrix. Fan matrix. I've heard of this. It's based in the matrix universe, but um, you can search for it. It's on Vimeo as well. But the BitTorrent file is still available. You can download this. It's a short fan made uh, film, yeah. but uh, I, I haven't seen it yet. But I'm I'm eager to see it, and I've heard it's really really good. So cool. But the BitTorrent file for it is the oldest BitTorrent in the world. And, and it happened because you think about 2003, okay? So this is two years before uh, YouTube was even conceived. Right. Okay? So if I wanted to bring out a fan film in, two th- in, in 19... What was it? 2003, pardon w- me. Wasn't Napster still around then? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Google's it. So you think about that. That's really, really tough for a film content creator to distribute their material. Imagine right. if, wow. like, we came along just before YouTube hit, um, hit, hit it big. Right. And then we migrated from our own platform over to, and we were using all kinds of services at the time because it was such a, a young, yeah. young media, right? But mm-hmm. we're only 12 years old coming up on. Um, so wow. um, when they brought it out in 2003, they couldn't put it on a website or they couldn't stream the video because the sheer cost of that back then would have been astronomical. Oh, for sure. And there, right. was, there was no YouTube. There was no Vimeo. There was no Blip TV. There was nothing to put your video on and distribute it. So they got in touch with some folks and said, okay, how can we do this? And the IT folks got together and said, we can use this technology called BitTorrent. And they said, what? What's that? And so they packaged it up and they put it into a torrent file huh. and people started downloading it. And then they became seeds, and then more people downloaded it. Here we are 15 years later. People are still seeding it. People are still torrenting it. And it's free, and you can download it. And it's legit. It's not an illegal torrent. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's still there 15 years later. 
But they're yeah. not producing episodes still. No, it's one <laughs> one mini movie. I think it's like 19 minutes long or something like that. That's but perfect. really well done. Really well done. That's cool. Um, so I had to make mention of that. 15 years of the Fanimatrix. Or, for our UK friends, is it the Fanny Matrix? Fanny Matrix. <laughs> wow. Could be. I don't know how they pronounce it. <laughs> don't Google that. <laughs> no. Don't. F-A-N-I. Matrix. Matrix. All one word. No NNYs in there. We do have to take a really quick break. Though when we come back, I'm Mm -hmm. really excited about this because last week we did have a failure with regards to getting Ubuntu running on Hyper-V on Microsoft Windows 10. And I think we've got the solution. Yes. I'm nervous. Are you nervous? I'm nervous. Not really. No? You think I'm going to pull it off? I have faith. Am I going to pull it off? Yeah. You always pull it off. There's always a failure that you pull it off. You're going to have to stick around and find out. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. And last week, well, Sasha was here. Jeff was away. But Sasha, you remember we had Windows 10 and we were looking at Hyper-V and how we could use it and the new features in order to deploy Ubuntu 18.04 on Windows. Right. We were so excited. Oh, we're still so excited. I mean, this is a great opportunity for uh, those of you who have never tried Linux to try it out mm-hmm. without any commitment and without having to reformat your computer and not have to risk losing anything because it's still, it's just running on Windows. Right. So you can bring it up. But Jeff, right at the end, we got it all set up. It's working great. It's going. Yeah. Woohoo. And then we try to log in, and it's just like we're going to call it the Hyper-V blue screen of death. It didn't do anything. And then it started doing this kind of log out, log in, log out, loop. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, they haven't quite got it. And I uploaded the video anyways to YouTube in particular and and thought, oh, man, folks are going to come down on me so hard here because, you know, anytime I mess up a feature, right on YouTube, it starts... With the whole, oh, the why trolls. don't you guys test stuff before you do it? Why don't you? Why because don't you we're a live show. Because we're a live show, <laughs> and I want me to experience the same problems that you yes. may experience. Because yes. if I just figure it out beforehand, and then I do it, and it works perfectly because I already figured it out, and I already worked everything right. out, then how, how are you going to figure it out if you get stuck? Exactly. So tonight, we're going to take it from where we left off, and we're going to say, okay, hey, if that happened to you... If you got stuck with the Hyper-V blue screen of death, trademark 2018 <laughs> Category 5. T-shirt that. Yeah. Then we're going to show you how to get past that tonight and get this thing up and going. All right. So I'm going to jump over to my laptop here, and this is right where we left it. So it, now this time, so you type Hyper-V, and you, we used Hyper-V Quick Create, the new feature in Windows 10, in order to create the virtual machine. But we've already done that. Now, because it's already created, we're going to bring up Hyper-V Manager. This allows us to access already running, already created uh, virtual machines. Now, you can see that it's running in the background. So if you've noticed since doing this that, oh, why is my CPU being used? Why is there some RAM being used? It might actually still be running. So don't forget to shut it down, just like you would a normal computer, because otherwise it is using resources on your computer. But it's running right now, and I'm going to connect. And Jeff, I'm going to show you and the community what, is, uh, what was happening here. So let's connect. I made it full screen. There we go. Works great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Login. Robbie. Password. Test. Test. One, two, three. Ready for it? Hit enter in three, two, one, go. Go. Keep going. Go. <laughs> okay, is it not going to mess up this time? Yeah. You tell oh, yeah. me, Jeff. Or is this the blue screen? 
That's the Hyper-V blue screen of death. Oh, gotcha. I'm expecting, like, error code, but I see, so nothing happens. It doesn't work again. Another show ruined. (laughs) 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 Let's fix it, shall we? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to close out of this. Because remember, I'm not actually closing the virtual machine. I'm closing the connection to it. It's like remote desktop into a virtual machine. Now... I'm going to tell you what the problem is first. Thank you. Okay. The problem is during setup, I chose to have my user account automatically log in. If you haven't deployed your virtual appliance yet, when you see that prompt, when you get to that point, when you're setting up the user account, do not check that box. If you leave it set to off, it will work out of the box. Right. Okay. So that happens to be the problem. For those of you who have set it up already and you're, you're trapped out of your machine, we're going to show you how to do that tonight. I want to back up just really, really quickly and talk really briefly about how we came about it. Now, this was a real community effort over the past week because we had to figure out how do we fix this so we can show the viewers. Um, it started with, uh, with Marshman installing several copies of this on his Windows 10 machine and got some of them working and some of them not working and why is and and trying to get what's the difference in the process why did one work and one didn't and then c120ad also ran some tests they got it working but only if you turned off enhanced session mode right but that was crippling to the to the responsiveness it was like slow and the whole idea here the, the reason we're so excited about this feature in hyper v is because it has enhanced session mode aka well, or via XRDP. That's what is making this so exciting. Right. Mm-hmm. You could always install Ubuntu on Hyper-V, but it always did not have enhanced session mode. So by turning it off, C128D was able to get it to run and able to log in, and it worked just fine, but it was really... Which is so no good. you encountered that, that's pretty miserable. Yep. But then Chris Whalen on YouTube made the connection and said, I think it's because of the automatic login. I created one, and I made sure not to check off, automatically log in, and it works. Because everything else With was done the same. session mode. Everything else was done the same, but just not checking off that box. Okay. Right. So then I took kind of the accumulated knowledge that we all learned together and packaged it up into this video that is happening right now live, and I'm going to show you how to fix this. So first of all, I'm going to connect to that machine by right-clicking and hitting connect. Then we're going to, I mean, you can make it full screen, you can do whatever. Right now, I just want to connect. So just connect. And we're going to look at what both C128D and Marshman kind of alluded to and and kind of pointed toward, which is that enhanced session mode. So wait for it, because right now it's grayed out. I have to wait for it to try to connect. So let's see if it connects. And in this, in this, um, with this problem, sometimes you have trouble connecting. So that screen, you see that XRDP, this login screen, it doesn't look like the traditional Ubuntu login, right? That's because this is powered by XRDP, which gives us the enhanced session mode. So based on what I learned from C128D and Marshman, we need to turn off enhanced session. But Robbie, that's going to kill your performance. Yes, it is. However, now I can log in just like normal. Watch this. Test, test, one, two, three. I'm in. I can close out or whatever, right? Okay, I'm in. So now, activities, just type the word user. And you're going to see, let's see, users. Wait for it. Try again. Users. Is it account, maybe? Let's try account details. Nope, that's not what I want. Wait for it. It's really, it is really laggy when you're, when you're running without that. So much for that accumulated knowledge, huh? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> is it a capital U? No. Oh, user accounts. Ironically, when I typed login as the search, I get user accounts. Let's oh. tr- le- so that's what we're looking for, user accounts. Okay. Huh. So it comes up if you type the full thing. Maybe it's just truncating the list when I type user. 
Maybe there's too many and it's dropping off the bottom. So type user space accounts, and that will definitely get you there. Okay, click on it. No, that's not the one. <laughs> no, that's not the one. Oh, Ubuntu, I hate when you do that kind of thing. No, account details. No, that's not what I want. User. Users. Come on now. <laughs> what are you two laughing at? It's not an ideal out-of-the-box situation here, folks. No. <laughs> what happens when I click account details? Why does it want me to install something? Is it because you turned Change something off? No, I didn't turn anything off. Should I install that, Jeff? Maybe it doesn't have the right thing installed? No. I can't see you not being able to Oftentimes manage your I user accounts. Oftentimes I just press OK on things. I'm going to try it, folks. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try install, like just letting it install that. Maybe there's something missing. So C120AD says you want account details. So my guess is you have to install it. It doesn't look like it comes with the virtual machine. Maybe it's a stripped-down version of Ubuntu, and it's just not there. Ah. Solving orders about running the GUI command in terminal. Or does that... Hmm. What is the, the command that you're asking about? He, he just said, what about running the GUI command in a terminal? What's the GUI command we're looking for? I have no clue. I'm just reading off the Discord chat. <laughs> well, let's let this install, folks. This is the account details that it keeps taking me to. I, right. I'm surprised that it's not already there, though. That's not wrong, because... Users. Well, isn't it good we have a whole hour? Yeah. Well, let's see. let's see what else. Robbie yeah. Ferguson. What happens when I click on Robbie Ferguson? Account settings. And it takes... No, there it is. Huh. Okay, so try. Oh, okay, so what, folks. So, what'd you do? so see, so it's not the account details. Yeah. So I found a little bit of a, a way to get to it without doing the search. So I can actually, can I cancel this? No, it doesn't even let me cancel it. I'm just going to X out of that. So the way that I did find it, this is hacky. And, and again, for those who would, I wish I could just, can I just close this window? Just leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> again, I take the approach with our show that I want to, I want to encounter these problems because right. I want, I want yeah. to figure it out with you. Okay, so I'm going to click here. See that little drop-down arrow at the top right? And I click on my name. Then I can click on account settings, and it does take me there. That's where I want to be. That's what I was looking for. Users, hello. Okay, click on unlock up at the top right. And it asked me for my password. This is the one that I created. And now I can turn off automatic login. So keep in mind, I had to unlock first. Remember, that was inaccessible while this was a locked application. Now that I unlocked it and entered my root password, I can turn off automatic login. Okay. Close this window. Now. Oh, great. Account details is installed. That's useful. <laughs> All right, so now that that's done, now I'm going to change, I'm going to restore this window so that it is now not full screen. And I'm going to click on that arrow again, and I'm going to hit the power button. And no, I'm not going to hit the power button. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hit my name, Robbie Ferguson, log out. Now, log out. Wait for it. <laughs> Okay, All now right. we're back at the traditional login. Ubuntu login yeah. screen. Kay. It's been a roundabout time getting here, but we got here. <laughs> but Sasha. we're here. We're here. We it's the, the adventure that counts. We took Absolutely. Routes to the yeah. login screen. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so now that we're at this screen, so we have logged out of the Ubuntu machine right. in the normal mode, not enhanced mode. Now I'm going to go view and turn back on enhanced session. Now I'm back here. Oh. Okay. So, maximize that. And are we ready? Robbie, test, test, one, two, three. And Sasha's crossing her fingers. Jeff, come on. <laughs> and hit enter. And ladies and gentlemen, lo and behold, we have purple. <laughs> yes! And we're in! Yes! Yahoo! Good time! And the wild. Yeah. Now, we're going to have much better responsiveness because we've got XRDP enhanced uh, session mode running 
out of the box. Now I can shut down, I can reboot, I can re-log in with that enhanced session mode, and it's going to work. Yes. <laughs> so I yeah. want to see what this is all about, just like we had planned last week. I want to see what it's all about. So we're going to take yes. a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a quick tour of Ubuntu, uh, Ubuntu 18.04.1 running on Windows 10 right after this. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We've got it working. Ubuntu 18.04.1 is running on Microsoft Windows 10. Now, just to reiterate, this is actually a window on Microsoft Windows 10 using Hyper-V Manager, and that was installed on episode 575, so if you want the step-by-step on how to install it, go back to episode 575 of Category 5 Technology TV, but watch what, what you find here when you go Hyper-V Quick Create on Windows 10 with the Fall Creators update, um, and in there, you're going to now see the ability to deploy Ubuntu 18.04.1, and it's going to work for you right out of the box with all of the information that you've learned here today. Sasha, why are you laughing? I'm in Discord, sorry. Right. And you're not allowed to... Oh, it's not related? No. Oh, no. <laughs> you're not allowed to... It's going to work out of the box. And just <laughs> sorry. Turns out that you get in trouble if you use capital letters. Oh, right, yes. Oh, did you get reprimanded by the bot? <laughs> Fantastic. Third time you get banned for 30 minutes. Oh, it's funny. Sorry. Back to okay, so here it is. It's Ubuntu running on Windows. So if you're a Windows user and you don't want to wipe your hard drive and lose everything that you've already got set up, this is a great way to test it out. You can try Linux. It's absolutely free. And because you're doing it through Hyper-V, you're just installing it as an application on your computer. And you don't have to wipe anything out or dual boot or set up anything difficult. So let's get a quick look. And a quick look it is. So we've got Firefox, we've got Thunderbird, which is mail, kind of similar to Outlook mm -hmm. Express back in the day. We've got our file browser, we've got Rhythmbox, it's kind of like an iTunes-like thing. LibreOffice Writer, which we've looked at here on the show, software for installations, help. Amazon, and Initial Setup, which is this screen here, which probably walks me through some of the things that I've skipped over. You'll want to go through that. Right. I just find it like it's a big window on my screen taking up space. Okay, so click on this guy down here. You're going to see all the applications that come pre-installed. It's pretty. Yeah, and remember that this is built kind of for touchscreen. So if I drag um, with my mouse, I'm actually going to be able to move things around just like you were on a tablet, like on Android or something like that. You can see that it looks like it's got support for Bluetooth and things. Uh, Firefox, let's bring it up and see what, uh, what it looks like. I mean, it's, it's going to be what you expect, right? There's Firefox. Mm-hmm. Jump over to YouTube. So excited. It runs. So the nice thing about doing this is you can do your web surfing. We talked about, Sasha, we talked about um, getting ROMs mm -hmm. and things like that. And people saying, well, I don't have Linux. I can't install Linux. How can I do this safely? Because it's, there are a lot of malicious malware and things that you can catch from those kinds of things. You can do it on here. Yeah, that's true. In a virtual machine, it's Linux. Exactly. And it's not going to infiltrate your Windows file system, so that's a good Perfect. thing, right? Uh, so here we are on YouTube. Let's do a quick search for Category 5. We're just kind of posing there for Discord. Sorry. It sounded quiet there for a moment. Okay. So there's Category 5 Technology TV. And there we are. And there it goes. And it's working. And it's playing right out of the box. All right, so that's Firefox. We know all about that. It's got Writer. So I imagine that means if I click here and type Calc, it's got LibreOffice Calc, Savvy. which is your 
Oh, yeah. And this is a new version, too. Look at this. So there's your kind of Excel spreadsheets and things, but it's absolutely free. Version 6.0.3.2. I don't know that version was out yet. Yeah. They're going to have to update it home. Yeah. So there, there you have it, folks. So it's up and running. It's Ubuntu Linux in Microsoft Windows. Which is perfect. You're going to do this at home? I can home? do this at home. You can do this at home? I've got, du- I've got home? dual boot at home. Oh, well, there I'll you do. go. I don't need so to do this. I have like, Windows 10 right now at home, but now I can do this. You've yes. got Windows 10. You're stuck on Windows 10. You want Win- uh, I, Linux. We started with Linux. We to switched it. to Windows 10 for games, mm. and now we can do this. So there are a couple of quirks out of the box. We have found that. I mean, this is a project that is officially endorsed by both Canonical Ubuntu and Microsoft. Microsoft worked with the open source community to make this work. And it's not perfect right out of the box because of that one little quirk. Don't check off automatically log in. And if you do that, you leave it off, you're going to be good to go. So enjoy. That's Ubuntu 18.04.1 running on Windows 10 through Hyper-V. Good times. Yes. We're going to jump over to your newsroom, Sasha. I got to move out of your way, don't I? That's oh, wait, right. don't do I yet? No, I don't have to yet. We're, oh. still lear- we're still learning how everything works around here. Why? We're new. This is season <laughs> one. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode ever of Category yes. 5. Yes, but you do need oh, to we're move polished. Because, because of the teleprompter. The teleprompter, yep. yes. This is some professional television. But I've got a wireless mic pack, so we can kind of snug over here. I can take up all this. And the you screen. have all that space, Sasha. It's all you. This is... This is, that, not, <laughs> this is what happened last time as I was over here. <laughs> All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Elon Musk has been forced to step down as chairman of Tesla, but will remain as CEO. Amazon's newest brick-and-mortar store sells only top-rated products, and Prime members pay the online price in-store while everyone else pays more. The first UEFI malware has been discovered in the wild. It's a piece of laptop security software hijacked by Russians. And NASA's Kepler telescope has been sent back to sleep as scientists preserve fuel for the next data dump. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? You're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cap5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Elon Musk has reached a settlement with the Securities and Exchange Commission on the charges filed last week over his abandoned attempt to take Tesla private. Private. Musk will have to step down as the chairman of Tesla within 45 days and will not be able to take up that role with the company again for three years. He'll be able to remain Tesla's CEO during that time. Alongside the settlement, SEC, the SEC also charged Tesla with failing to have required disclosure controls and procedures relating to Musk's tweets, according to the agency. Tesla has already agreed to settle this charge. Both Musk and the company will pay separate $20 million fines that will be distributed to harmed investors under a court-approved process, according to the SEC. And Tesla is being made to appoint two new independent directors to its board. According to, the, according to the agreement, the company will also hire a lawyer to monitor Musk's communications, including his tweets. The SEC opened an investigation into Musk and Tesla in early August, shortly after the CEO abruptly announced on Twitter that he was considering taking the company private as at a share price of $420. Musk said that he had the funding secured to pull off the feet and that support from investors was confirmed as well. 
Well, Musk reportedly held multiple meetings with Saudi, Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund about backing the privatization effort. The SEC argued that it's law, in its lawsuit that Musk did not have a solid deal in place and that therefore his tweets were false and misleading to investors. The first hearing in the SEC's case against Musk was scheduled for February. The Department of Justice reportedly still has an opening, an open investigation into his failed privatization, privatization attempt, and a number of shareholders have sued Musk in court for losses resulting in the alleged market manipulation. Wow. So. Whoops. This, this was an interesting. In yeah. This is interesting. I, uh, well, I this, want to hear your opinions on this, being this, so in, involved in legal matters. and Yeah, I deal in labor, not, okay. not stocks. But this is an interesting one because Musk has a history of making comments on social media that probably should have been better thought out. Oh, sure. And the fact that he threw this one out there, and when I first saw it, I actually thought it was some sort of a tweet to do with marijuana because 420 is the number for yes. marijuana and I mean in Ontario they're about to legalize it and so I thought oh, there was something to it because he made that connection because he made comments not long ago about somebody smoking dope or something there was something about he was going to privatize it for marijuana there was something to it so when I saw it I thought that's there was an, a connection that's to an this interesting, yeah that's yeah an so interesting I didn't point. think much of it I thought it was that. a reaction to his drug comments from sometime in the summer I think it was uh, unless I'm mixing him up with somebody else, but I don't believe it was. And so that's what I thought I'm it was. I'm pretty sure Elon Musk smokes marijuana. Well, I believe, I believe, quite possibly. I know that to be true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, but, but when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's, it's, it's like some joke. But then when I read this outcome, I was like, oh my gosh, he yeah. actually had this deal in hand that wasn't solidified. I 100% yeah. think that they were right. If the ink okay. was not on the paper. Here's what I think. Elon Musk probably thought that it was solid. Because why would he tweet it otherwise? But why would he tweet it? <sighs> but here's the... Why the, wouldn't uh, he tweet it? Okay, okay, here's my other thought. And I'm, you may be thinking this as well. Doesn't everybody seem to be Twittering a lot of things they shouldn't be tweeting? Yeah, no, my viewers can't think of anyone who tweets things that they shouldn't be tweeting. And how come Elon Musk now has to be watched? Because of the SEC. That's right. Uh, Because it has to do with market manipulation. I mean, if we learned anything from Martha Stewart, it's how to make uh, decorations out of diapers and... How that you cannot manipulate the market. You cannot. You're going to be in trouble. Right. Well, exactly. But... I feel as though how come his tweets are being monitored and not everybody's tweets are Guaranteed being monitored. everybody's yeah. being monitored, but this is totally different. He talked about taking a multi-billion dollar company private and he announced it on Twitter. Yeah. Which is... You can't do that. No. You can't do I mean, that. I, mean, I know you can't yeah. do that. Ignorance is not innocence. The However... The fact uh, that the market reacts not. so negatively to it, though proves that when we can look at something like that and say, oh, that's, oh, he's silly again. Or, you know, we can look at some, I think there's, a, we're, we're in such an interesting time where we're so social media based. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. So what's to say Elon Musk can't, and I'm just, he's the example in the news story. Yeah. Why can't he just tweet? Yeah, he can just tweet whatever. I he could thinks. go on Twitter and I could I could say, oh, I hate this. You could and say, then everyone I think who loves that is, is coming up against me. Case in point, I think it was in like spring. It was a Khloe Kardashian made some comment about Instagram. I don't know. I don't follow. And like <laughs> thousands and thousands <laughs> of no, that. I remember reading this. Like tens of thousands of people suddenly went, I'm done Why with Instagram. Did, yeah, didn't they sure. like because they of one tweet? I'm pretty sure it was Instagram. I don't, I don't so have when you have a major following. But when you have a major yeah. following and you're such a like yeah. globally known individual, you got to be so careful about what you say all the time. Yes. So who makes us accountable for that? Uh. Who makes me accountable to the fact that I have a lot of viewers that are watching my Twitter feed, and I need to I need to I purposefully don't get involved in politics. 
because I know it's polarizing. And my views really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. But, I mean, but the difference is you don't have a multi-billion dollar company I riding on your I don't phone. have yeah, that platform, told, that's for sure. Truth be told, the stock market, I guess, I can understand it in a little bit because Dave has been doing some stock market sure. interest mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And so I get that he reads the news every night and yeah. he decides what he's going to figure out and what he's going to buy and what he's going to sell. And so, I mean, he's not on Twitter either, but if he were on, on right. Twitter and he had a stock... He might sell or buy because of a tweet, perhaps. Yeah. But isn't it kind of that's, weird that's that dangerous. people would do that? Like, and I oh, so. that's what makes the stock market move. That's and what makes it so volatile. That's also why every YouTuber, and even here on Category 5, whenever we're talking about cryptocurrency and we have our, our crypto correspondent on, it's stated that this is not investment advice. No. Right. And if you ever watch any kind of market stuff on YouTube, you know anyone who's wise is saying, this is not marketing advice, I'm just telling you I'm just my telling, opinion. Yeah. Yeah. This is why you hear that statement. So I wonder, is, is it more that there is no accountability on social media? Mm-hmm. Should there be something in place? And maybe this is an idea, maybe this is something that companies like Twitter, companies like Facebook need to implement. And my thought, my idea, Jeff is why not have an accountability feature for individuals who have that level of a platform? So, for example, if I become the president of the United States, yeah. if I am the president uh, or the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, then I fall into this accountability platform feature. Okay, So now... I can still tweet. I can still say my thoughts. I can still say everything that I want, but there's a second level, almost like a two-factor authentication that has to go through my people or the people who are uh, are working with me to keep me accountable. That's so that so you could be my accountability buddy on Twitter, okay? Right. Four words in response, okay? George Orwell thought police. No. No. 100%. No. If you I'm can't saying, post something until somebody says, no, yes, it's acceptable. No, I'm not but saying somebody. Not I'm not saying Twitter. I'm saying, I'll say to you, hey, Jeff, you've been working with us for three years now. We appreciate you. I'd like to make you my accountability buddy on Twitter. Are you into that? Because I realize my platform is too big. And nope. I may make mistakes. So now, anytime I tweet, you get a message that says, here's what Robbie's about to tweet. Are you cool with that? Yes or no? And I love this no, idea. I just think. And I so think you're not in, he's not in no. that. Maybe Sasha should be my accountability buddy. I will be buddy. your accountability Thanks. buddy. Okay, so what happens, if what, you're, like what, what happens if what you want to say is perfectly fine and Sasha goes, ah, but what I don't if know. Sasha is my board of directors? Then the board of directors can remove you. No, the board of directors should be able to say, no, that, we're not going to let that go to tweet. Because that's going to affect market manipulation. But they're my board of directors. I'm not saying give the SEC control. I'm not saying give Twitter yeah. control. I'm saying give my group. But, Elon but Musk that's... should sue Twitter. No, no, no. no. It'll never exactly. stand up. Never stand up. No. But that's why the SEC is there. The SEC is there to make sure that there's no market manipulation. I understand that. But... Elon Musk is a human being, and one human being who, when he's got his phone in his hands, he's not accountable to anyone. Right. He's talking. He's accountable to, his to the world. He, he's a he human is. being, though. But he's a human, and he makes mistakes, and I make mistakes. And sure. And he probably shook the hand of somebody who he believed he had a deal with. And then he tweeted about it. Yes, but this isn't the 1920s where your word is your bond. We're in a legal world where you've got to sign a document. Imagine if ABC could say yes or no to Roseanne's tweets. (laughs) Okay, but fine, you want to go with that. But here's the thing. People will live and die by their social media presence in today's culture. And, And so... If Roseanne had have been silenced on her tweet... No, not silenced, just... Moderated. Moderated by her team. Okay, her but still, staff. by silence, by I mean the fact that they wouldn't selected. have allowed that t- tweet to go out. But then you would be in a situation... that person. No, I understand that. I would select my wife, and my wife would say, this is why I think you shouldn't say that. And right. I'd say, okay, yeah, you know what, dear? I think maybe you're right. Maybe I need to reword that. Okay, fair enough. But if that was the I case, then then the opinion never idea. would have gone he out. He does not agree with me. I don't. And it's we need clear. To, the whole I rest don't. of the show is we need to convert him to believing in this. Not gonna what happen. What do you think? Is it pro Robbie or pro Jeff? Nope. I am 
Which is basically you hate me. It's not about pro. It's about if you're going to start regulating what people can say on social media, there's no point to social media. I'm not saying that they should regulate. Where is free speech? Understand, Jeff. I'm saying I... Can we just have freedom of thought, but not freedom of speech? Can we just have, you can George Orwell thought police? No, we need to we need to wrap up the thought. We need to move on. But here's my final thought. To make it clear, I'm saying I, Elon Musk, can appoint someone that I trust, an accountability partner who would therefore be responsible and capable of preventing me from accidentally saying something that I really would regret in hindsight. Okay, where's the button to move this to the next news story? The button has already been pushed. Please comment below. Let us know who's right. Another brick-and-mortar Amazon store opened its doors this Thursday. Amazon 4-Star at a new location in New York City's Soho District. The retail giant's new store only sells products that have been rated 4 stars or above on Amazon.com plus Amazon's own products. The company writes in a blog post that Amazon 4-Star is a direct, direct reflection of our customers and in a way that's true. The average rating for all items in Amazon's 4-Star is 4.4 and the most items and most items have hundreds of thousands of online star ratings and reviews. Amazon stocked the store with customer electronics, kitchen and home items, toys, books, games and more, but it doesn't contain every single product that has a four-star rating or higher. Discovery appears to be one of the main purposes of the new store. Not only does the store highlight the most loved items on Amazon.com, but the company also organizes them into specific categories like most wished for, trending around NYC, and Amazon exclusives. As with most Amazon endeavors, Prime members reap benefits in the new store. They'll pay the Amazon.com price, while non-Prime members pay MSRP. Digital price tags list both prices as well as the amount Prime members save, the average star review for the item, and the total number of reviews. Over the past few years, Amazon has pushed its way into the brick-and-mortar space after understanding its benefits for a primarily online business. The company's acquisition of Whole Foods gave hundreds of stores in the U.S. through which customers could buy groceries and other household items and through which Amazon could expand its services such as grocery delivery and pickup. Amazon has a number of other stores too. Amazon bookstores sell only the most popular books on it on its website, and cashierless Amazon Go stores act as the company's slowly expanding convenience store chain. Amazon Go is arguably the company's most strategic brick and mortar play as it allows Amazon to track customer behavior in store using cameras and its mobile app. It's rumored that Amazon wants to open 3,000 Amazon Go stores by 2021. In addition to gleaning more insight into customer shopping habits, Amazon 4-Star also gives the company another physical location to showcase its own devices. Amazon 4-Star has tables dedicated to the newest Echo and Fire TV devices. Brick-and-mortar stores give customers the opportunity to play around with Amazon devices that they may not have seen in person before buying on Amazon.com. Currently, it's unclear if we could see more Amazon forest stores in open in other locations in the future. I like this idea. I this like, is neat. I like this idea. I think that perhaps shuffle, they shuffle, should shuffle. probably have <laughs> every... Amazon warehouse have an Amazon four star at the front of the warehouse. Oh, you remember the source? Yes. Um, Radio Shack. Yes. Tandy. They do the same thing. They yeah. They do the, the store in front of the warehouse. Those of you who don't live here in Barrie where our studio is, you think of Radio Shack and you just think of the little pop-up stores in the malls and things like that. But here in Barrie where it's, where it's warehoused, where it's based, um, it's like a giant warehouse with a store attached to it. It makes so much sense. It makes a lot of sense for you Amazon. You don't have to worry about inventory. In mm-hmm. I like the idea of being able to, well, there's two, two sides to this that, that I think are really smart. First, Amazon is giving Prime members um, the, the dot-com price. Mm-hmm. So right. you walk in and you get the discounted price, which is usually ridiculously cheap compared to what it's listed as. Yes. The list price is always, like, ridiculous. Nobody would ever pay that. Right. Um, right. The, the discounted web price is the real price. The one that they say it's discounted from is, like, take the MSRP and add another 300 points right. to it and that kind of thing. But by getting Prime members to come into the store, what is Prime? 
free shipping. Yes. Right? So who pays for that? Amazon. Well, Amazon. So getting you into the store, now they're cutting costs huge because everything that I buy on Amazon through Prime, I just get it shipped to me for free, get it shipped to me for yeah. free. So I don't even really, at this point, I don't really think about that. I like I'll order something right. that's a dollar and I'll order something that's ten dollars and a do- uh, something that's a hundred dollars and, and they don't get packaged together so somebody's paying for that Amazon's paying for that walk into the store they just cut their shipping fees right out as well as the workforce mm, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that they're cashierless stores well, that's Amazon Go. We're not that's, talking about yeah Amazon we're talking Go about today. Amazon Four Star yeah. and in Amazon Four Star I think. Because I'm an Amazon Prime member. I know there's a lot of Amazons to keep track of. <laughs> I just found out Amazon. that there's Amazon. two Amazon, Amazon Music, and now I'm super confused. But uh-huh. that's a whole different story, too. <laughs> um, so Amazon 4-star, which, A, I think that there should also be an Amazon 3-store, because that would be great, too. But Amazon 4-star, if they had one, say, in Barrie, say, on you know our popular Bayfield Street, where sure. there's, like... Sears just closed down and they have all that space, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. So they have like a warehouse there and they have a The old Target. St- <laughs> right. <laughs> or to make this Target. topical. Yeah. Right? So then they have that and then they have the store in the front, but they have the warehouse behind. Sure, why not? And then they can yeah, ship things it. from online orders as well. They're kind of like two birds, one stone. Yeah. Yeah, but Amazon's going with third party shipping. Like they're looking for people to pick up the contracts. Here's what I like. I like that I can go into the store and I yeah. can try the product. Yeah, that's true. I can pick it up and I can see it and I can uh, if it, let's say something in the four in Amazon four is uh, four star is uh, the swimsuit that I bought for my daughter. Now, when I bought the swimsuit for my daughter, I bought three of them. Mm-hmm. They shipped to them to me separately. I didn't pay for the shipping. They did. Uh, we chose one and we sent the other two back. Amazon paid for the shipping to return it. So think about that for a second. I have not had to go through that process. They haven't had to pay shipping and return because a lot of folks, that's, that's our way to shop now. Yep. Yeah. You can't try things on. You can't, you can't check it if it works with your devices. No, you've got to wait until you get it, try it, then return it if it doesn't work for you. Right. Yeah. Um, so now they've done away with that. I think it's pretty brilliant. Pretty brilliant. Think of the diesel fuel that has been saved, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah. The earth is smiling upon us today. ESET mm-hmm. <laughs> Research has published a paper detailing the discovery of a malware campaign that used repurposed commercial software to create a backdoor in a computer's firmware. The rootkit has been active since at least early 2017 and is capable of surviving the reinstallation of the operating system or even a physical hard drive replacement. While the malware has been spotted previously, ESET's research is the first to show that it was actively attacking the firmware of computers to establish a tenacious foothold. Dubbed Lojax, the malware is the first case of an attack leveraging the UEFI boot system being used in an attack by an adversary. And based on the way the malware was spread, it is highly likely that it was authorized by a Russian state-sponsored operation tied to to the cyber attack on the Democratic National Committee. There have been a number of security concerns about UEFI's potential as a hiding place for other root, rootkits and other malware. The UEFI is essentially a lightweight operating system in its own right, making it a handy place for attackers to hide rootkits that can't be seen or protected from the system's OS. WikiLeaks Vault 7 file showed that the CIA apparently developed an implant for Apple's computers that used the predecessor of UEFI but required physical access to the targeted computer and a malicious Thunderbolt Ethernet adapter. But Lojax is an entirely different animal. It was able to it was built to be deployed remotely using malware tools that can read and overwrite parts of the UEFI firmware's flash memory. While Lojack shows all the hallmarks of a state-funded attack, the developers had a little bit of a head start when it came to the UEFI payload. They borrowed from a commercial software product that was purpose-built to stay active in a computer's firmware. Lojack's rootkit is essentially a modified version of the 2008 release of the Lojack anti-theft agent from Absolute Software, known 
at release as CompuTrace. The firmware module ensured a software small agent stayed installed on the computer, which connected to an absolute web server, even if the computer had its drive wiped. In other words, CompuTrace was a commercially developed firmware rootkit. In another bit of borrowing, it, the code in the malicious UEFI, UEFI module uses an NTFS driver to access the Windows desk partition to make changes and install its agent. This NTFS driver was stolen from leaked software written by the Milan-based information security and offensive hacking for hire company hacking team. So, this, so really, this Russian state-sponsored rootkit was a team effort. What do you say? <laughs> the UEFI, you, you want to trust it. Like this is the, yeah. think of your BIOS. When you first turn on your computer, it detects yeah. your hard drives and it tells the operating system what kind of hardware you have, right? Right. So if they hack that, mm -hmm. this is higher level than the operating system itself. So it doesn't matter if you're running Windows or Linux or whatever you might be running. Your computer is basically infiltrated before it ever gets to that operating system. Yep. Right. So now it can start manipulating things, a root kit meaning, hey, maybe it becomes root on your Linux machine, and maybe it has access to um, monitoring your keystrokes, or who knows what else they could do. Okay, so first off, I believe it's only for Windows so far. No, it's a rootkit in the UEFI, so it can... It Maybe the infection itself would have to Th take That's what I Windows. mean. Yeah, yeah, I think it's only, like, impacted Windows. So let's say you dual boot. Right? Yeah. So if you dual boot, you get into Windows and you get that rootkit malware, it installs itself in the UEFI, then you reboot into Linux, the UEFI loads your drivers and everything else, and then infiltrates your Linux system and becomes root user and does whatever else on your Linux system, because it's yeah. part of the UEFI. So even if you wipe out your hard drive over and over and over again, even if you pull that hard drive out, drill holes through it, smash it with a sledgehammer, install a new hard drive, boot it up with a new operating system, you're still infected. It's a microchip built into the motherboard of your computer. What bothers me about this is it, uh, Sasha mentioned it was kind of uh, a throwback to a 2008 issue. A so, commercial software that is legitimate right, to keep but, people from, to help people to be able to find their stolen device. Which is fine, yeah. but that means that since 2008 at least, we've known that this is capable. Why wouldn't they have closed that loophole unless you because the loophole is by design. Right. Yeah. That's, that, it is if you it is. build it, if you build the technology, it will be used for malicious purposes. Sure so we will. need to be very careful when we build the technology, I'm talking to you, artificial intelligence, that it cannot be used for malicious purposes. You're, you're talking to artificial intelligence. Yeah, is and that they're the listening. <laughs> and they're listening. This show is now for humans and AI. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kepler's resurrection from hibernation has been short-lived. NASA has put the Veteran Space Telescope back to sleep back into sleep mode after it was up and running for less than a month. The probe sent to sniff out ex exoplanets that maybe it may lie in habitable habitable zones around the stars is expected to run out of fuel soon. Launched in March 2009, the Kepler mission was planned for only three and a half years. When it was preparing for takeoff, however, NASA found that the rocket could carry spare mass and decided to add enough fuel to last for 10 years. It has now been flying for nine and a half years and supplies are slowly petering out. Ground control has powered Kepler down to a state that doesn't require any fuel so that the agency can save what's left for what they call deep space network time. On October 10th, Kepler will be restarted and directed to point its antenna back to Earth in the hopes that it will be able to transmit data back home. Kepler has found more than 2,600 exoplanets so far. A recent notable find is Wolf 503b, a nearby super-Earth-sized planet orbiting a bright star. At approximately twice the size of Earth, Wolf 503b is a representative of m the most common size of planets Kepler found in the, in the galaxy. However, since there are no planets this size in our own solar system, we have a lot left to learn about planets of this size, NASA said. 
Hopefully, targets like Wolf 503b can be observed further with Kepler's successor, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, launched in April this year. Nice. Yeah. Does it use LIDAR, the new one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the first Ooh. question. Uh, the no, I don't believe so. Because um, both TESS and Kepler are imaging satellites. So they're, okay. they have um, CMOS sensors like a digital camera. Oh, okay. Uh, Kepler had many of them. I think like almost 100 um, CMOS sensors. So it was getting... Uh, maybe it wasn't that many. No, maybe it was almost 100 megapixels among them. Oh, okay. I don't know too much about it. But, but so they had a whole bunch of camera sensors taking pictures, so digital pictures, to get light information. So if it sees light, it sees that that's a planet, that's a planet, that's a sun, that's, and is it, you're able to mm-hmm. figure it out based on the photography. Right. It's right. basically a it's really high-resolution picture. LIDAR, on the other hand, is lasers for topography. Right. Right. So that would be ideal in a case like um, orbiting Mars. Right. Right. We want to get the topography. We want to learn what's under the surface. LIDAR would be great for that. Um, finding, you know, maybe we could get out to Jupiter and, and find out what's going on down there. You know, that kind of stuff. Space explana- exploration blows my mind. Interesting. I love it so much. Yeah. Oh, me too. And I'm excited about like what's to come. Tess is an interesting one though. Um, Kepler orbits the sun mm-hmm. and is taking pictures out into space. Okay. okay. And, and so I guess it gets good light, <laughs> right? <laughs> no backlight. And has this massive array of like 96 megapixels worth of image data coming back to it. And you imagine, okay, if you've got a 32 megapixel camera, like this is a massive image coming back yeah. off of this camera. Um, and that's, that was like, you know, that's the biggest camera that they had in 2009 when it launched, right? So impressive. they're downloading all this data right now that we don't have right... We haven't seen it yet? Is that what's no, happening? No, that's right. So, yeah, that's right. So that means we're going to have all of this incredible... That's the hope. Yeah. If they can get it to broadcast one I last time. I can't imagine that they won't be able to. They've got it. The new satellite, TESS, is orbiting Earth. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, a, it's different. a different orbit. So we're going to be able to see things that Kepler never, ever saw. Um, and when I say orbiting Earth, it's, Earth, it's not like, like one of our satellites. It's way out there yeah. orbiting Earth. Um, right. I think it's a bit further than the moon kind of thing. So, uh, or uh, about Just a short jaunt into space. Same distance, yeah. But it only has four sensors. And when I say sensors, like think of when you take the lens off of the DSLR and you look inside, there's a sensor. Mm-hmm. That's your imaging sensor, your CMOS, mm-hmm. um, and, um, or a CCD, and they have four of those side by side. So I'm like, are they super high resolution? No, they're like 16 megapixels. So I don't know what we're going to see from this new satellite. It'll Wait. be interesting. It'll be, it'll be lots. And here's how I know that. Because I once read in like an Uncle John's bathroom reader... Like Those random, are great books. <laughs> random. That we have more technology in our cell phones now than they had in the first... Oh, yeah. Like... The first space shuttle. Space shuttle. Our yeah. phone is more powerful than the computers that ran the entire operation. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I know that no matter what, this new one is going to be great. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Don't, thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. It's been great having you here with us again this week. We look forward to seeing you again one week from today. Take care. Bye.